Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle. Elliot Danker, Bharati Jagdish, and Ryan Huang with you. The spotlight now is on the region's internet economy and, of course, the rise of digitalization. I mean, it's ubiquitous, isn't it? Everything that we've talked about in the last few months together has had this layer of digitalization, yeah. e commerce, whatever, marketing. It's all got that layer beneath it or at some part of the pyramid, right? And according to an internet economy research report by mm-hmm. Google, Tomasek, and Bain and company. Investments in Southeast Asia's internet economy actually hit an all-time high this year amid the pandemic. No surprises, I guess. Yeah. See, the study also reported that this year is shaping up to be Southeast Asia's busiest deal year in recent times Mm. with, what, 11.5 billion US dollar deal value for the first half of the year. That's on track to surpass last year's full year value of 11.6 billion. But how long will this trend last? So let's see if we can get some answers from Fok Wai Hong, who's Managing Director Investment, Telecommunications, Media and Technology, and Southeast Asia at Tomasic International. Good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning. Nice to have you on. Wai Hong, let's talk about this report, this Economy Southeast Asia Report 2021. Tell us about the key highlights that could inform the strategies of businesses everywhere and, of course, including yours. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thanks for having me on the show, and it's great to share some insights. I guess me, the first thing I'll mention is, you know, this is, um, I guess this is the sixth edition of the Southeast Asia Economy Report that we put out there. We put the very first one out in 2016, and uh, it's obviously jointly put out by by ourselves, Google, and Bain, and builds on broad-based research which leverages a variety of data, including studies commissioned by by the co-authors proprietary analysis, research insights from each of Google, Tomasic, and Bain, really with the goal of providing perspective and shedding some light on the internet economy in Southeast Asia. And there are a lot of great insights to draw from the report. So if your listeners are inclined, I'd recommend that they Google for the Google Tomasic report and take a read. And and no, Google didn't pay me to say that. Mm. To answer your question, I think what I'll try and do is I'll give you one big thematic takeaway and maybe three interesting insights or observations. I think the big thematic takeaway, firstly, As the title of this year's report suggests, we believe that we are entering into Southeast Asia's digital decade. And I'll give you a few statistics that helps give some context. Last year across the region, we saw 40 million new internet users come online, and we now have 440 million internet users in Southeast Asia. 80% of those users have made at least one purchase online, which implies that we have about 350 million digital consumers. A lot of this has certainly been spurred by the pandemic, and we've seen the number of digital consumers in the region grow by over 20% since the start of COVID. And so as a result, you know, collectively, we think there is potential for the region's digital economy to grow to one, $1 trillion U.S. dollars by 2030. So that's the big thematic takeaway. Very optimistic around the overall Southeast Asia digital economy space. But if anything, you know, the internet economy has shown not just resilience through the pandemic, we're also seeing a strong resurgence of growth. So the three, I guess, key insights, I think, number one for me, you know, growth has come in sectors which you and your listeners will, will not find surprising, such as e-commerce and digital financial services. And digital financial services includes payments and lending, while other sectors 
such as transport and online travel, unfortunately remain a little bit more muted, but with real potential to bounce back strongly as restrictions are, are progressively opened up. Number two, we're also seeing, I think as you alluded at the very beginning of the segment, we're seeing really strong investor activity. Not only is there a record amount of, of dry powder, about 14 billion US as of uh, 2020, looking to be deployed, but investor activity across the first half of 2021 has, as you, as you mentioned, outstripped all of that for all of 2020. Mm. And lastly, I think one of the more interesting takeaways for me was the view uh, on a, from the report around the region's digital merchants. Our report this year shared details on how they're adapting technology at an incredibly rapid rate. Across the region, digital merchants overwhelmingly agree that digital platforms create more jobs, improve livelihoods, help sustain revenue, and bring about more opportunities. At least one-third of all digital merchants that we spoke to believe that they wouldn't have survived COVID if not for, for the digital platforms. Mm. So if anything, this helps run home the point that the structural acceleration into the digital economy is very real and happening on both the demand as well as the supply side of the equation. You called this at the start, the, the start of uh, Southeast Asia's digital decade. And obviously those sectors that you mentioned has attracted quite a bit of investor interest. And my question is, how do these sectors ensure that they continue to that uptrend of investor interest, you know, that, to ensure that it doesn't die down? Yeah, that's, that, that's a great question. You know, I think if you just taking a step back, you know, we, you know, in the report, we've, we've always historically talked about six key factors that, that are helping us drive or enabling uh, growth in, in the space. You know, we've talked about the need for payments, you know, sort of ability to pay online, obviously strong funding. And we can talk about that in more detail if you'd like. Consumer trust, logistics, Internet access and talent. These six things, I think, are really what's enabling the digital economy to grow. And obviously, as, as there is growth, funding you know, continues to follow. And, I, you know, I think of those six, quite frankly, five of them, we've seen incredibly strong traction on the last couple of years. You want to get in payments is a, is a big uh, space that we've highlighted in the report, digital financial services. So, you know, obviously sort of enabling digital payments, enabling digital lending. And that's really putting sort of e-commerce at that beautiful intersection of growth. But funding, as I mentioned, also has been it's been incredibly strong. Consumer trust, I think, you know, through the pandemic, certainly, I think a lot of platforms have been able to build that consumer trust. And logistics has actually been a very big focus area of, of investment. Internet access, I think, you know, I alluded to the number of new Internet users that are coming on board. And I think the one that maybe I'll call out as, as a, an area of continued, I guess, focus is obviously the one of talent. Talent being in the in the space, being requiring you know, whether it's corporations, whether it's governments, uh, and all of us, quite frankly, to continue to find ways to upskill, reskill our existing workforce to bring more people into the digital economy from a working perspective. Mm. Before we talk more about talent and talent development, can we talk about funding more specifically in greater detail? You've mentioned it a number of times, and considering the changes, I'm sure the specific dynamics within the funding scene are changing too. So what have you noticed? Yeah, absolutely. It is It is changing. You know, I'd say this has been an absolute record year for the Southeast Asian Internet economy from a funding perspective. The growth in funding can certainly be partially attributed to the world being awash with liquidity and looking for investments in, in a low interest rate environment. But yeah, I think we believe that the primary driver, quite frankly, has been the resilience of the Southeast Asian Internet economy demonstrated through the pandemic and certainly the resurgence that we've seen in the last six to 12 months, excuse me, last six to 12 months. What's also interesting to note is that the growth in the number of deals that have been done has also increased. So it's not just one or two mega deals. 
that's driven the numbers that you've, you've alluded to. First half of the year, for instance, we saw a 65% year-on-year increase in the number of transactions, which goes to show that the funding volumes have not been driven once again by just a few large deals, but really broadly dispersed across multiple transactions. One interesting thing maybe worthwhile mentioning is that while a lot of the investments into the space have historically been through private capital flows, this year I think we've certainly seen a number of companies starting to access the public markets Mm -hmm. and more importantly, seeing incremental pathways for them to do so. For instance, while traditionally you would have expected some of these high growth businesses to list in the US, you are increasingly seeing local listings becoming much more attractive. Some companies are also seeing SPACs as an additional option, whether for a U.S. listing or listing on a local market here in Southeast Asia. And, and you know, sort of a case in point, you know, a number of our, I guess, our Southeast Asian unicorns certainly have, are actively looking to go public. In Indonesia, we've seen a very successful listing of Bugalapak. GoTo has announced that they'll go public uh, next year in a, on the Indonesian stock exchange. And even here in Singapore, we've obviously seen Grab and Property Guru announce mergers of SPACs and should be listed in the U.S. in the next few months. Mm. Lots of pull factors here uh, to Southeast Asia. Wai Hong, any opinion on the recent crackdowns in China? Did that serve as a push factor, you know, to, to come towards this side of the region? You know, I, I, I think the reality is, once again, investors are looking for couple of key things. They're looking for big market opportunity sets, they're looking for positive demographics, and they're looking for growth. And the reality is Southeast Asia offers all of those. And so I think if anything, you know, global investors have become much, I guess their their apertures have opened up and they've become much more cognizant of of where growth is coming from around the world. And that's really what's been drawing attention to Southeast Asia. Mm. To what extent, though, would the Chinese stance and the Chinese moves in this tech sector and the clampdown on edtech, for example, affect your plans going forward? I I think in I I won't comment specifically on Chinese regulation, but, you know, I think as we look at, at Southeast Asia, specifically in the market opportunity, that doesn't really have a direct bearing on on the market opportunities, as I mentioned. You know, I think you know once again, just mm-hmm. thinking about the large large market space, uh, positive, so young, mobile first demographic, growing middle income sort of uh, population, presenting, you know, with all I guess the right opportunities for us mm. to, to focus on here in Southeast Asia specifically. Mm. Aging population also plays a part where the opportunity of health tech comes into play. What's your outlook on that? Yeah, absolutely. A positive. You know, I think yeah, in our report, we talked about you know, the big sectors, you know, e-commerce, digital financial services being, being a huge uh, draws uh, of investment, I guess, attention. And we called out two areas specifically, I think you alluded to them, health tech and ed tech as being ones that are, that are worthwhile watching. So they are, you know, I think health tech in particular has seen a lot of excitement. A lot of, I guess, digital health providers have acquired a lot of new customers through COVID. Mm-hmm. And, and through, through the pandemic, some of these platforms, an example being Holodoc in Indonesia, have gained a lot of credibility and consumer trust. Building on that, we're seeing some of these digital health platforms really begin to start to monetize their services, which in turn has attracted more investment. So the total amount of, of funding that's been raised by some of these health tech platforms in the first half of this year was $1.1 billion. And that compares to $800 million raised in all of 2020 for this space. So quite interesting. Mm. I want to return to something you mentioned earlier, Wai Fong. Uh, you talked about talent 
in this particular landscape and talent shortages are sort of, uh, you know, the topic of interest right now, right? And people are panicking over this as well. What to do about the talent shortages? How to develop the talent to ensure that all of these plans can come into fruition? Yeah, but that's always the number one question. And, and uh, you know, I think, you know, as I, as I mentioned earlier, we had six key factors that are uh, enablers for, for the digital economy space. And of those six, talent is probably the one that, that continues to be an area of continued focus. And so, you know, I think it's, it's certainly a question of how can we bring people through education, that, you know, it's it sort of train them appropriately for, for the digital economy opportunity set. I mean, so that's one, that's one angle. But, you know, that obviously takes a little bit of time for people to go through the system. And the second one that is uh, is one that, that we're quite focused on, and I think most people are as well, is you know, given the existing workforce, what what training programs can we put in place, either corporately or as as governments around the region, to help upskill, reskill, and train the existing workforce to be capability ready to help support the, the digital economy. You know, the only words I can find for this is watch this space. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Fok Wai Hong, who is Managing Director of Investment Telecommunications, Media and Technology in Southeast Asia for Tamasic International on the line with us. Wai Hong, we really appreciate uh, your time this morning. And really, this is quite interesting to watch out for. A trillion dollars in gross merchandise value by the year 2030. We're definitely looking forward to reap those rewards. You take care and stay safe, yeah? Thanks for having me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.